Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. For the longest time in my life, I was afraid to open my bank app because I didn't want to see how little money I I had. I am right there with you. (laughs) I have been through those days. We all have. And I didn't want to, I never wanted to feel like that again. And I graduated college with debt, as many of my peers do, as many people, uh, you know, spans generations do, right? Um, the lesson that I did that I took first was pay yourself first. So whatever paycheck I got, whether it was $20 or $300, I put money aside first. And that was for those rewards, like the international trip that you take after you graduate college or the, um, you know, or the Pikachu game that you buy when you're 10 years old or whatever it is. Um, it's to pay yourself first and have something to look forward to, especially if you're just scraping by.
Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. You've heard me say this so many times, but most of us didn't grow up with parents who actually taught us about money. And I think that's because there's so much shame and guilt and negative feelings inherent in all of us around money. So why would a parent want to teach you something that they didn't feel good about themselves? But that's how we all stay stuck. And we're busy Googling, how do we get out of debt? Or how do I know how much money I need to save to retire early? And pulling out our hair because it just doesn't seem feasible. And I am anything not shy about being compelled to start this movement around money where we can all sit around a dinner table and talk openly, the good and the not so good, because that's simply how we break down barriers and how we learn and honestly realize that our life and our bank account does not define who we are. And I am right there with you. I am actively learning and participating in this myself. So I had the pleasure of chatting with Dr. Wayne Purnell, a.k.a. Dr. P, on a previous podcast episode that you all loved. I heard so many comments and feedback from that episode. So I was so excited to sit down with Dr. P and his son, Lucas, who is in his 20s, to talk about how they learned about money and ways we can break this generational divide down. So You and me, we can teach our kids, our nieces, our nephews, our friends, whatever it may be, how to come together and have these open conversations around money and have it be okay. So uh, we're here on just a beautifully hot day, Friday in Orange County, uh, hoping for that cool that cool breach breeze that is just not coming. (laughs) (laughs) And Dr. P, you were on an episode previously, a little over a month ago, really popular episode. So it's great great. to have you back and to welcome your son, Lucas. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So we were talking before we start recording, we have a couple of different generations here. We don't have to all disclose our ages, but (laughs) 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 but, uh, we're having this conversation about the generational differences with money, which I think is a really interesting topic because um, we all grew up differently. Our messaging around money was different and how that now affects us. Of course, a lot of people don't think about that, but it really plays into things. So I'd love for each of you, maybe we'll start with you, Dr. P. Like, how did you grow up with money? Was that a conversation that you had with your family or that was just like figure it out on your own. There were two things that I remember distinctly. One is rich or poor, it's good to have money, but there was no conversation about how to get it. Right. And then the other was uh, that I did get an allowance. And when I, growing up, when I got an allowance, I was taught I had to divide it into three pots. Ooh. And and even if my allowance was 75 cents at the time, uh, it, it made for good division, right? Because three <laughs> pots made a quarter each. And one was savings. So you have to save. There's no no idea about how else to get money other than, okay, you're going to put a quarter away every And eventually it'll grow, right? right. Um, the next was gifts, which I thought was really clever. Later, I thought that was really clever. 
that putting money aside to to buy other people gifts, knowing that their birthdays or you know the the winter holidays were coming up, that right. So that was really smart. And then the third pot was uh, the fun pot. Yeah. Right? So whatever you want to do, you can buy yourself a toy. You can buy yourself whatever you want. And what they taught me, what my parents taught me was don't ask for other money. Huh. And, and that really didn't help me much uh, to learn to grow money or to nurture it. All I knew is I had this much and I could withdraw from there. And here are your three pots. And here are your three pots. And I think maybe the other side, I, I did learn to sell nectarines oh, well, when that, I was a kid. That's good, that right? Was, <laughs> that was entrepreneurial. <laughs> we had a massive uh, nectarine tree. And so they were uh, uh, two cents each or three for a nickel. Wow, so I that could, is a deal. If I could go door to door and sell them, that I could keep whatever I I could keep, you know, whatever I made, door to door sales. Um, and so, was, did you at the time have like a conscious awareness that that was being an entrepreneur, or that was just all. like there's these nectarines? No, and I in can fact, go? what I learned was I was uh, I was rewarded for being a cute little kid and charming. That was, <laughs> was like, at six years old. Do you want to buy some nectarines? <laughs> just like that. Yeah. So it was just, I was rewarded for that. It didn't really register to me that this was to grow the fun fund. It was oh, okay. more like a competition for myself. I set out with a, a wagon full of nectarines and I came back with a few nickels in my pocket. Yay. You know? Right. <laughs> Interesting. So the lessons that I got were really, it's good to have money, dot, dot, dot. Like, how are you going to get it? And how does it work? And what does it do for you? And what do you do for it? There was no sense of, when we spoke last, we, we talked about your relationship with money and what does it mean to have a relationship? I never learned that growing up. I never learned that that money is actually, uh, it's both static and dynamic, and that you treat it as something that is an entity that you feed, and it feeds you back, right? I never learned oh. that. It took a long time. Okay, before I get to how then that translated into your adult life, yeah. what's Lucas? Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a little bit of pressure because your dad's sitting right <laughs> next to you, but... <laughs> What were the like early memories you had about money? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> you know, so I think growing up, I had a couple a couple things that I really uh, liked liked a lot about. One, like we talk about the allowance, like you know, my pop he got an allowance. I got an allowance growing up, also. Um, you know, so take out the trash on Thursday Thursday nights, clean the kitchen, do a little bit of dishes. You got five bucks. Five uh, bucks, at least we're moving up from right. like 75 cents, right? It's inflation, right? I knew. Yeah. <laughs> I knew a quarter wasn't going to go far for you. So, yeah. so I got five bucks. And then kind of as I got into my later teens, um, you know, my one of my passions in life was paintball. Um, and so from a very early age, uh, you know, I'd be sitting in the car with my dad and we'd be talking about, well, what does business look like? How would one start a paintball business? How would one make this kind of self-sustaining? How would one, um, you know, make this so you can basically play paintball for free? Right. And so eventually I, I end up on these forums, right? Um, a few of these like really popular paintball forums. 
And I learned that the way to do that very specifically is let me buy and add value and resell paintball markers and paintball gear and all this other stuff. So at like 14 and 15 years old before I could drive, right? My main goal was to be self-sufficient because I think I had this, uh, this mentality that being self-sufficient was the only way to do it in life. Um, and the only way that I could feel kind of proud and have made something of myself, even at, you know, 14 or 15 was that I could start this business. You know, if you want to call it a business, right. In hindsight, hindsight, I kind of look at it as a, as a business. Um, and it was great because I got to like, I got to play paintball for free at 14, 15, 16 years old. I got to sell these, uh, sell these markers buy the next best one, whatever it was, um, Ended up having like international clients, which was really, really cool. Wow. Yeah, impressive. Right. Like selling to selling to people in Norway and things like that. So that was uh, that was really, really cool at a young age. And so talking about the lessons that I learned, I learned that um, I think like the old idiom goes, money doesn't buy happiness. Um, but and I think I was told that a lot. Money doesn't buy happiness, but money affords opportunity and money affords an ability for happiness to kind of come with those opportunities. Um and then the other things that I that I learned were, uh, you know, money works for you. And if you understand what compounding interest is, if you understand how, you know, bad credit card debt can be, things of those, you know, those were the kind of lessons that I learned uh, at a young age. And then I also learned that sometimes it's okay to spend money on yourself and splurge and do things like buy a paintball gun or or buy a uh, you know buy the brand new colored iPod Touch. <laughs> or buy the, uh, you know, what was the first one that we bought? The iPod mini. I got it in like that peacock blue color. Oh, yes. Uh, but it was like 400 bucks at the time, right? Right, yeah. I remember, I remember going to WAMU back when Washington Mutual was a bank, right? And I pulled out the money from WAMU and I'm looking at the account. And I'm like, I got 400 bucks in my hand. And I'm like, you know, what, 10, 11, 12 at the time. I, I can't even remember. And I'm going to the Apple store um, and I walk out with this just like this bright blue iPod and I loved it. And I can still tell you the first album I put on it. I put on the uh, American Idiot album by Green Day because uh, yeah, you know, who, right. who wouldn't, right, at that yes. age? Um, but I mean, those were just the kind of lessons that I learned at, at a young age about uh, about money, about kind of having fun with it and, and making it work and not seeing it as kind of this, um, I think a lot of a lot of my peers, including maybe even, even some people that are very close to me, kind of see money as uh, an evil thing, if you will. So people with a lot of money are... Yeah. negative or that's kind of a negative context. Um, and for me, it's not so much an enviable position to be in. It's like, yes, I want to get there. And that's obviously something that I want to I want to achieve in my life. But um, I really love the journey that money can kind of take you on. So those are those are kind of the lessons. Yeah. And something really interesting, I was actually going to ask you about about your friends, because you're in your 20s. I always talk about like my goal is to make money this dinnertime conversation topic that you can sit around with your friends and it doesn't have this taboo or the right. stigma about it. But is money something that you talk openly with your friends or is it still the subject with with your friends of like, we're just not, not going to go there? Yeah, I, I have, I'm of the mentality that the only way to break down barriers is to be very verbal about it. And so if someone asked me, Lucas, how much did you made, make last year? And uh, if it's one of my coworkers or if it's one of my best friends or whatever it is, I will tell them without you know any hesitation or anything. I will just tell them straight up because I feel the only way to one allow allow one uh, like equality and equity amongst the workplace is to be very verbal about that. Um, and two, you know how do you how do you help your friends achieve whatever they want in their next level? You know if if they're stuck in a job that's paying you know, what twelve bucks an hour or something. 
how do I help them see that, hey, you can make 15, you can make 19, you can make 25, you know, whatever it is, um, to really help them get to that next level. So yes, I mean, to answer your question bluntly, yes, we are very direct and open about it. And almost to a point that I may inadvertently make some of my friends uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> Those awkward, there may be like the opposite awkward moments. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And and I would imagine, Dr. P, like when, when you were growing up, that this wasn't a subject you were talking about? It in really that wasn't. I got to witness my mom writing checks on yes. a very specific day of the month. There was a checkbook that would come out, a pile of bills, and it would take an hour, maybe longer. And, you know, if I wanted something, I would ask her, this was pre-internet, so if I wanted something, I was going to get my money out of my little uh, fun fund and bring it to her and ask her to write a check on her check writing day to this catalog that I would send away and, and order something. Other than that, money really wasn't talked about. Um, she had some stress. My mom did did talk about uh, making sure there was enough to cover um, because she was sometimes given an allowance for the bills, which was an interesting dynamic. Wow. Yeah. I want to come back to something Lucas said. And, yes, and <clears throat> this is – it was a generational push that my dad, so Lucas's grandpa, right, gave to him, which is it's important that you work for yourself. And that was imparted early on. And it wasn't, oh, what do you want to be? Where do you want to work when you get bigger? It's important that you work for yourself. And that's why when Lucas was in his preteens, he started asking questions about how do I make money doing the thing that I love to do? And at that point, wow, it yeah. was paintball, right? which was fabulous because he started asking the right questions. Those questions came from him, not from me. Like, you want to be in business? This is how you do it. No, no. Those questions came from him. So he was, how do I make a business? Fabulous that he internalized it. Now, a lot of people don't. The opportunities out there. And for me, as I progressed in my life, I did both. I worked for companies while building my own brand, you know, the dynamic leader brand, dynamicleader.com is out there. So too, was I working for various companies along the way? So, um, I think that was really important that Lucas got that. The other thing that came through big time was the service orientation. And I, I don't know if you picked that up from what Lucas said, is that how do I help my friends? How do I help my friends? If they're making $12, how do I help them make? And he's got energy behind it, right? Right, yes. Which is fabulous because that's what, that's how I live. And I don't know if I got that from my dad. I know that I got the humanistic side from my mom. And, and all along the way, there was this service orientation. How do I help the people around me and beyond? How do I lift them? And I'm hoping that that is one of the lessons that I imparted to you, Lucas. Absolutely. I think the, the lesson of uh, lift while rise has, uh, has really resonated with me my whole life. You know, the, the only time you look down on someone is when you're reaching your hand down to bring them, bring them up with you. And yeah, that's definitely something. Seems that like we with. might need a little bit more of that these days. Right. <laughs> these days, definitely. Uh, well, I'm, I'm also curious, 
because so many people don't talk about money with their parents and they maybe don't want their parents to even know what they're making, good or not good. And maybe their parents don't want them to know. I mean, there's there's so many disconnects. And yet from a, like a money standpoint, if I'm looking at it, you should be having these conversations, especially as your parents get older. And I mean, these are conversations, especially if there is some some wealth or, you know, these are the things that need to be talked about. But how would you suggest that people, even if someone's in their 20s or 30s, like, how would they initiate these conversations with their family if they've never done this before? I'm going to jump in because it's actually a relationship question. So when you're asking anything of a sensitive nature, always start by acknowledging where the other person is. And so if it's, if it's you asking a parent, start by acknowledging their journey. You know what? You started when you were in the, you know, think about where you were. For my dad, for example, he graduated graduate school in 1944. Right. Slightly different. Think uh, about the timing. Exactly. <laughs> that. And so, wow, dad, you've come through a lot and look what you've made. And so for me, that would be the conversation I'd have. Start there. Acknowledge the journey. What have they done to get to this place? And then ask for um, maybe talk a little bit about the struggles you're in. Like, hey, this is what I'm working on, seeing what you've done with your life. Kind of like, yay you. Right. These are the struggles I'm having. Um, can you tell me this? And it could be very specifically, how much does it cost to... Whatever, right, yes. Buy a car, buy a house, uh, buy a business, whatever it is. Or, you know, this is what I'm thinking about. What advice do you have? And so really to acknowledge the other person has, um, has something to give. And it works the other way too, right? It works the same way for me to ask Lucas uh, across the generations that it's like, look, you know, you've seen me do this. I'm watching you struggle. And then it's either I've got suggestions for you if you want them. <laughs> and that's the, that's the yes, that's a key. important question. That's right? a huge key. And here's them. here's why I grew up with my dad saying, well, you know what you should do is the lecture. Right. right? Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I was very careful with my kids growing up that that I would I would say, look, I've got a suggestion for you. Looks like you're taking the hard road. If you want to go down that road, that's great, Lucas. Um, <laughs> he always did. <laughs> I have a suggestion. Would you like it? And then, uh, and then it's up to him or the other kids, right? Then it's up to them to so have that So if they said no, then you're totally yeah. fine with no. You have and, to be, right? right? So again, relationship-wise, you have to be. If you were answering or, a sorry, if you were asking a question, you have to be prepared to accept the answer you're given. And I imagine this would work the same way in relationships with a spouse. Totally. Right? Absolutely. Rather right. than just bombarding with the way you think somebody should spend their money or do something, it's that sort of permission and relationship piece. And it's everything from uh, where things go in a certain drawer, how is the dishwasher organized, <laughs> and um, desires during sex. I mean, it's it's all of the hard stuff that we typically have have a really hard time talking about being vulnerable and saying, well, I have something I'd like to offer. Do you want to hear it? Great. 
then the other person says, well, what is it? Right? Or right. not. No, I don't want to hear it. That's <laughs> not a topic I want to talk about. Awesome. Then you honor that. And that's how you build trust in a relationship. And so you know, when we talk about money, I think it's really important that we bring trust back to that relationship when we're talking about money. And um, when we're, I, I, you're talking about anything, you've got to have the trust there to be able to, to open the conversation and vulnerability yeah. comes with it. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. 
quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. So Lucas, what about you? Like, what would you say to somebody who's like your age and has never had those conversations, but maybe they feel like they need to? How would they begin those? That's uh, that's a really, you know, when you ask that question, my brain started kind of like, and like, how would I have that question? And I think I'm blessed because I'm in a situation where I have such an open relationship with my father that I feel like I can ask him any question at any point, whether it is one of the most awkward questions I've ever asked him or it's something like, hey, how do I? And I distinctly remember this one. I was in college. My car got stolen and I didn't have a way to get to school. And so the question that I asked him was, how do I know how much I can afford for a car payment? Because I knew I was about to buy a new car. And his answer was basically look at your living expenses, look at how much that you can put away, and then look at what that extra piece is. And that's what you can afford as your car payment. And so I think a lot of his lessons that he imparted in me was similar to, and I always think back, my favorite money book is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
um, you know, the classic, exactly yes. classic. Right. And it's, and it will always be in, right. Some of the philosophies are a little bit older and, and, you know, the way that he made his money is not the way that you can probably make your money as easily say in California nowadays. Um, but looking at that, I always think of the, what are the two different types of, you know, he had two dads, the rich dad and the poor dad. And so, um, you know, my dad kind of being of that, the wealth of knowledge and, you know, rich in, in sharing and all those things, being able to directly address that. But, uh, for me as well, you know, finding those mentors in my life has been really invaluable. Um, I joined a fraternity in college, which has been great. And I'm still relatively active with them, even as an alumni. Um, I had the opportunity to speak with a lot of different brothers in different walks and generations of life. And what I really loved was that they would always shoot me straight every single time I, I asked a question. Um, but in that same vein, like we just talked about in that same breath, uh, you have to be okay with the answer that they give you because sometimes <laughs> that's the flip side. Yeah, right? it is. It's the flip side because sometimes it sucks to hear the answer that you don't want to hear. It's like, right. oh, dang, okay, I can't afford that, or that's not exactly what I wanted to hear. I'm sad that you said that, but okay. Um, and so it, it's those things. It's finding those mentors. It's finding those professors in school, or finding those teachers, or finding those uh, those people whom you want to emulate your life about. Whether you're, you know, working right now working, say, in like fast food, and you have that one person that's doing so much better than you. And, you know, what are the natures? What are the traits that that person has? How can I emulate those? And, hey, maybe they can be my mentor. Uh, all the way to, hey, how do I take the next step? I've, I've kind of hit that peak in my career. And how do I get to that next place in my life? Um, yeah. It's finding those people that can, that can help you and, uh, you know, being vulnerable with them. I know that we use that word a couple of times. Right. I yes. want to jump back in on that, right? The vulnerability. Um, because one of the things that I think counts in terms of lessons across generations is sharing mistakes. A hundred percent agree. And we right? do not like to do that as the human species. Exactly. <laughs> well, I have a lesson that I learned about myself and I use it to with my kids or uh, now I use it publicly. Obviously, I'm about to share this and it is meant to. Uh, allow the other person, the listener, to go, well, what do I do? What are my triggers? And so for me, what I learned is that um, I cannot look at shopping sites after 10 p.m. I'm serious. That should probably be like a universal rule, right? <laughs> yeah. They should all just like shut down. <laughs> well, for me, it there's something that happens neurochemically where I imagine myself getting the things I see. And it feels so good to think that way. <laughs> and, and after 10 o'clock, I know I'm tired. I know I'm, I'm in this, uh, mental state of I want. And then when I've given in and the thing shows up, I'm guilty. There's a box. I don't dare open it. I didn't really want it. I wanted it, but I don't want it. I can't right. use it. Now I've spent the money now. Right. And so that's the lesson that I pass on is like, did you really assess how valuable this was? Did you really assess what you're going to do with it? Did you really, um, did you really, really want it? Or did you just want what it represented in that instant? Because of that, Lucas has a lesson he learned about buying a video game. I'll turn it back to you. Yeah. Okay. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I didn't I, want to talk I, about the video <laughs> game, but uh, okay. So there I am, what, like 10 or something, right? And um, the uh, the video game for the Nintendo 64 came out, Hey You Pikachu. 
which was awesome. Um, <laughs> I love that game to death. And, you know, thank goodness I have well, who a... Who didn't really? Right. Um, it was so cool because you could literally talk to Pikachu through the Nintendo 64, I think the first of its first Of, its of kind. course. Of course. But it was like 80 bucks. And I'm, I don't have 80 bucks. Like, I don't. But I have the money in a savings account. Or I had it somewhere in the house, right? Um, but the rule that was imparted to me, or the lesson, not even the rule, but the lesson, is did I want the money more or did I want the game more? And so what I was told was, if you can put that money aside in cash and have it sitting in front of you, and you can walk into your room every single day and look at it and understand that, huh, that's, you know, that's my money, that's money that I want to spend. And at the end of that 30 days, you go, yeah, actually, I'd rather have the video game than this money. Then let's buy the game. Um, and so that was the lesson was, did I want the, did I want the money more than the game or did I want the game more than the money? And so what did you choose? Oh, I definitely chose the game. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. was thinking, I was thinking. <laughs> the thing was for a month, he had to look at yeah. the money and visualize that money is right there. And if he spends it, there's no longer that money. And so every day he got a chance to say, yeah, you know what? I want the game. Or, I don't know, everybody's playing the game, it's no fun, like, they're not liking it, I don't know if, I don't know if it's valuable enough. For him, Pikachu, at that point, awesome. It, it was what he wanted, the money was there, he knew he had it to spend, versus, oh, can I borrow against this, right? And, and so there was no credit. It was, can you spend cash to get this? Do you have the cash? And can you delay gratification long enough to get it? So have you used that in like adult life? Oh, then? all the that, time. Absolutely. Sort of... um, let me tell you, like I went to school at the University of Nevada. Um, and so in the summer in Reno, it gets so unreasonably hot. Like the surface <laughs> of the sun, you walk outside and your eyeballs like melt out of your face. And um, I was living in this house that was built in, I think, like 1931. It's not there anymore. It was torn down. And, like uh, they built high rise apartments over it. Uh, but it was right across the street from the university. And being a brick building that was heated by oil. Um, oh, wow. Right. Old school, old building. Um, the the idea was, well, dang, I could get an air conditioner and put it in my window. But it was, do I get the air conditioner because it's like 200 bucks and, and then have to pay the utilities on top of that or or not? And so I distinctly remember putting that money aside and like delaying buying it until I, I swear it was like July 4th by the time <laughs> I actually bought it. But I had, I had looked at that money in cash like in my in my room for like two and a half months before I chose to buy it. But you know, conversely to that, I've done things like, wow, that suit would be really nice for graduation or that watch would be really great or I'd love those pair of shoes or something that was uh, not necessarily a necessity, a nice to have, not a need to have, um, which was a lesson, again, yeah. from my father. I'm yeah. hoping you're picking that up, right? yeah. <laughs> that, it's, that it's like, is it a need to have? And if it's truly a need to have defined need. And it's not like you don't need that. It's not my judgment. It's not my judgment. And that was always one of the things. Right. It's like, I'm not going to judge what he says he needs. Question, is it a need to have or nice to have? And then what do you want to do with it? Right. And always feeling empowered to be able to make those choices on my own, even from a very young age, right? 10 years old buying this video game. Um, I've done things where I've made choices where it's like, you know what, that is very much a nice to have and I, I don't need it and I don't need to spend the money on it. And so, um, 
it tends to be materialistic things that I choose not to purchase. Uh, you know, I have a handful of nice jeans. I have a handful of nice shirts. Um, unless it has a hole in it, I, you know, I don't need to replace it kind of thing, right? Boy versus girl (laughs) thing, but you know, yeah. Well, there is a a part though that goes through that where it is, you're allowed to have, you're allowed to, to follow the path of it is a nice to have versus a need to have. And I still want want it. it, And I still want it all. uh, And I was going to ask you like, what happens um, psychologically speaking or with our, with our minds and our brains when we have those when we think about money from that standpoint, particularly with maybe higher priced items where we might delay buying something, like is there something that that goes off in our brains that one way or another that we can maybe understand a little better? So you do get the dopamine serotonin drop, right? And and it's the feel good and in the moment kind of thing, which is why I know personally I can't look at shopping sites after 10 o'clock at night. It just, that seems to be the trigger. I'm tired. This would look good, feel good, make me, you know, uh, the Superman out there, whatever it is. And, and so, yeah, the delayed gratification is you don't get the same hit. You get it initially when you see it. Then it kind of tapers. Then it tapers off. And the, the question is, does it still, it becomes, it begins to be, became, uh, become uh, almost a rational decision. Would it still be fun to play the Pikachu game? Yeah, it'd still be fun. But it's not, I need to have it. Everybody has it. I really want to buy it now, you know. Um, and, and so it's, I still want this. Cool. I'm going to get it. And, and so, yeah, you, you need to pay attention to what is going on in your body. The same way when you're tired. And probably slightly dehydrated, you're going to crave um, cookies. You know, you're going to crave the the. It's like, well, one cookie won't hurt. Well, what time <laughs> is it? Right? Did you did you have dinner? Are you you know are you fueled in every other way? Um, that one cookie. How expensive is that to your body? And sometimes Ooh, that's a good that's a good saying. How expensive is that to your body? Yeah. yeah. And so sometimes you know what? Okay. Have the cookie, have the cake. Awesome. Other times, don't. Please pause, you know, put yourself on pause. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'd love to know, um, just kind of a last question here. What do you think we could all do better? Just speaking in generality, like what could we all do better about teaching, you know, whether it's younger generation or older generation, um, about how to maybe nurture and embrace the generational differences around money better. Any ideas about that? You want me to start? I'll Please. Start. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think it's a mix of, <clears throat> excuse me. I think it's a mix of being bold enough to ask the questions. Um, understanding that the answer that you're going to get might not be the answer that you want. And it's going to be the answer that's, that's nece- uh, necessary for whatever time period that is to really make that difference in my life. It was a lot of trial and a lot of error and, um, you know, a lot of falling down, but falling upwards, I guess, uh, would be a good way to say it. I call it falling forward, falling forward. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and so asking those questions and not being afraid to, whether you are, you know, my age in your mid twenties or you are younger than me or older than me, find that mentor, find that person that you trust, 
find that person that's, you know, whom you consider very successful or whatever you define as success in your own life and ask that question. And I think that for me has been uh, the biggest differentiator between myself and say some of my peers who might have a little apprehension asking those questions. Yeah. And I think that's really good. I talk about that a lot on the podcast, just the idea of asking questions. I mean, whether it's with your significant other or it's with your friends or your boss or whatever, but, you know, asking those questions like really goes a long way. It really does. really does. My dad was, uh, was, and still is a big proponent of education. And, and I think what I got, uh, one of the things I got about that was that I can talk to my kids in a way where I want to offer them insights and then let them connect the dots. And so one of the things I've done with them is to say things like, hey, I just had a meeting with a financial planner. Um, That's an expert out there that helps me manage things in a way that I wouldn't ordinarily. Um, Do you want to talk about what I learned? And open the door to that and even just say, hey, I learned the following that I think you might you might uh, be able to use right now and offer a lesson without it being every time I talk to the kids, uh, you know, that's how you get the the oh, no, dad's talking kind of <laughs> eye rolling. <thing. laughs> oh, here he goes again. Yeah. Yes. And and certainly, I mean, my kids, uh, the relationship I have with them is one where they can say you know, you're in dad mode. Like, that's probably enough. And, right. and and they do it respectfully. It's not like, oh, you know, it's more like, you've been talking for 40 minutes. and <laughs> <laughs> I have not said one word. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the other thing is the, the kind of back to the acronym I had for money. If I can share that again, yes. I think that I would think be, this would be a great way to end. This oh, is, awesome. yeah, this, so this is really important. The The whole idea of money and what to do with it and what it means is uh, I made this acronym of M-O-N-E-Y. And the first one is manage. And manage actually comes from the Latin of manos, which means hands-on. You know, the other thing I do is is leadership work. And so if you're leading your hands are off. If you're managing, you've got your hands on. Well, with money, I think it's really important to start with manage, that it is a hands-on process. You have to know what you have, know your number, track it, make an accounting. And and so it's really, it really is manipulating with your hands on. The O for the acronym of money is one goal at a time. O is one, right? So one goal at a time. So often we go, well, I want to get a house and I want to get a car and I want to get a, the diamonds and the vacation and the whatever it is. And it's, it's like, well, what are you working on now? What are you going to put that money towards now? How are you going to grow it to a new goal now? What's next? What's the next thing? And in my leadership work, that's one of the the biggest things too is is uh, I make sure that there's no more than three projects a leader is working on. Well, with money, have one goal at a time, just one. The N in money is nurture and really treat it like it's part of a relationship. Nurture it, pay attention to it, Um, pay attention to yourself and your reaction around it. Oh, you know, I tracked my account and it only grew this much. 
Did it grow at all? Awesome. Applaud that, right? So, right, yes. You know, Celebrate, yes. Yeah, because we've been in this place where, um, and and it's not new to our to any generation. the The market goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. There are new things entering the market. Some things fold and fade away. Track, track, right, and pay attention. And how are you feeling about it? And what do you need to do to nurture it? Also. If you feel needy, just like in a, in a relationship, if you feel like, oh, I need this, I need it, right? As soon as you're needy, the thing you're needy about backs away. Ah, oh, yes. Right? And so when you're in the space of lack, you'll be in the space of lack. If you look at what you have, even if it's growing slowly or even if it hasn't grown at all, you look at, okay, I have, I have this. What do I get to do with it now? How do I make it grow? How do I feed it? And so that's, you know, that is back to nurture. So we have manage, we have one goal at a time, we have nurture. The next is E for encourage. And that is, it sort of spins on nurture. Are there better ways for it to grow? Right? And remember that compounding works in both directions. So are you growing (laughs) it? Or are you creating debt that also compounds and you're shrinking it. You're, you're <laughs> throwing shade, as it were. You're, you're, right? you're, you are not allowing it the sunshine and the water and the, and the occasional fertilizer that allows things to grow. And so does it need to move? Do you need to, what needs to happen in order for it to grow? So encourage your money in a way that matches the current uh, economic environment. And the last one, is yes for, right, of money, M-O-N-E-Y, yes. And that really is celebrate. Get to a space where you go, you know what? I worked hard for this. I'm going to get the Pikachu game. I'm going to do that. Well, the car I have now, I did exactly that. It was, I was driving the mom van for many, many, many years. And I set aside, I was, I set aside money. I set I set a goal for uh, reducing debt load. I set a goal for uh, payments toward a new car. And when the time came, my goal was my birthday. And I had not met all of the uh, all of the criteria. The criteria. Thank you. For, that word just disappeared. <laughs> I had not met all the criteria for um, being able to get my goal being able to get that car and I pushed it out a month and the next month rolled by and I pushed it out a month and it was now it's time now it's time and I still have that car I've had it for mm, six years at this point I love it and that for me was the celebration I gave up the mom van and I got myself the car I wanted and (laughs) and even though it was a used car when I bought it but it meant something to me and that's huge. So being able to celebrate is really important that it's not just need. Sometimes it's a want and that's okay. Give yourself the treat when you've gotten to that goal. Yeah. And I think I just want to end like Lucas, just real quick, being in your twenties, you know, knowing what a lot of other 20 year olds struggling with student debt and all sorts of crazy things. That idea of, yes, I think is so powerful and being able to reward yourself like what advice would you give to someone that feels like like maybe they you know 
they're just trying to like just get by, you know, but, but you know, that's so powerful. Like what advice would you tell someone else? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> for the longest time in my life, I was afraid to open my bank app because I didn't want to see how little money I, I am had. right there with <laughs> right. you. I have been through those days. We all have. Yeah. And I didn't want to, mm-hmm. I never wanted to feel like that again. And I graduated college with debt as many of my peers do, as many people, uh, you know, spans generations do. Right. Um, the lesson that I did that I took first was pay yourself first. So whatever paycheck I got, whether it was $20 or $300, I put money aside first. And that was for those rewards, like the international trip that you take after you graduate college or the, um, you know, or the Pikachu game that you buy when you're 10 years old or whatever it is. Um, it's to pay yourself first and have something to look forward to, especially if you're just scraping by or, or just doing whatever, whatever it is. Um, you know, something that my, Dad instilled in me very young is every quarter, you know, so every three months, try to get away for a weekend, just get out of your space, whatever it is, try to get away to break up that mental, uh, you know, that mental kind of flips and and backflips and everything that you do at work or in school or whatever it is, just get away from it all for a weekend and celebrate yourself. And I think, uh, you know, being a millennial, right, and having that millennial generation, I think, uh, I value experience over material and I value experience over things just like many of my peers do. Um, so go experience the world, uh, you know, while you can, while you're young, while you can do all those things while still maintaining that mentality of, okay, I've got these bills. I'm going to pay these bills, but first and foremost, I'm going to pay myself. Uh, and then, you know, cover your bills, pay your bills, everything else after that. Isn't Dr. P the best? And I feel like he is our resident Millennial Money Podcast mindset coach. If you love, love, loved this episode, I highly suggest heading over to waynepurnell.com slash free. The link will be in the show notes to check out a free copy of Dr. P's latest book, The Significance Factor, that is full with all sorts of yummy tips and tricks to help you break through to your next level of success. Thanks so much for checking out this episode and a big thanks to our sponsors that make this show possible. Remember to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. But before you leave, I want to empower you to embrace where you are today, the good and the not so good. And remember, nothing lasts forever. Just keep taking small steps every day and remember how awesome you truly are.